0: on Palm Sunday. It's also called tri- the Triumphant Sunday. And of course, this is when Jesus would have rode into Jerusalem. The Jews would have hailed him as king. Uh, they would have put a robe on him. They would have had all their outer garments put on uh, either the donkey or strewn out on the ground and then put palm branches on top of that to have him walk into town. Well, of course, that was on a Sunday. And as they said, Hosanna, praise God or they were giving him adoration, save now. He didn't come to uh, save them from the Roman tyranny, but he came to ultimately die on the cross one week later and then raise again from the dead. So as we think about Palm Sunday, uh, we think about the miracles that Christ did after that, and he did miracles, he told parables, he told discourses. But on that Thursday night, as it started to go into Friday morning, there were six different trials that were set up. They were trials that were not legal. And they were brought forth by Caiaphas and Annas and the Sanhedrin and Herod. And uh, so, six different times, he had to stand before them without any sleep. And then six o'clock in the morning, they would have had him taken to Golbatha, and, uh, which is the place of a pavement. And that's when they would have beat him, had scourged him. And prepared him for the crucifixion, which would have started at 9 o'clock and gone until 3 o'clock. And as I think about what I'm doing today, I think the cross was out here somewhere. There it is, okay. I, I think about the great love that God has for me. I think about the great love that God has for you. And not only for those who are seeking him, but also those ones who are blinded by the God of this world. The ones who hate him. He still loved them. And uh, what I'd like to do is convey to you today and to seek to honor my Savior by letting you know how Jesus showed his great love for us. So the title of the message is, He Gave Himself for Me. I'd like to start out in Galatians chapter 2 and read verses 16 down through 21. It says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ a minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of being able to speak today, and I trust that you would be honored and glorified by all that is said about your wonderful Son who left the portals of glory, uh, left his heavenly home and came down to this sin-cursed world and went through such uh, wickedness and corruption and, and ill treatment and uh, merciless judgment uh, on, upon him. And I thank you, Lord, that you allow Jesus to go through all of that for us because you loved us and to make the payment for our sins. And I pray, Lord, that you would be honored by all that is said and done. For I pray in the name of Jesus, that name which is above every name. Amen. I think about some other verses that tie in with that, about the fact that no man took his life, he gave himself, willingly. And I think about John 3.16, a verse that many of you could quote. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Titus 2.13 and 14, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. In Ephesians 5, verse 2, once again, a verse given by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then also another book, wherein Paul penned it under the inspiration of God's Spirit. Galatians 1:4, who gave himself for our sins that he might die, deliver us from this present world, and according to the will of God and our Father. And then our last verse, Ephesians 5:25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, you, you as you look at that term there, gave himself for it, that is pretty general, but I want to give you some specifics as to how God showed his great love for us and how Jesus willingly went through the cross and all that pertained therein to provide for our salvation. I right, first of all say he gave his eyes to weep tears for me. In the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says, and when he was come near... He beheld the city and wept over it. As he came to Jerusalem, he looked over it. He knew he was about to die. He knew that he was going to be coming into that city. He knew the violence that was going to be executed toward him. Why did he cry? He cried because he knew that there would be so many people who had their hearts turned against him that would not respond to him, would not receive him as Lord and Savior. So I see a burdened heart. I see a burdened soul. I see tears streaming down his eyes. In fact, also, you'd be able to see in the Psalms where it says, mine eyes failed me. And the idea there is because of what Christ went through with the scourging, either one of the cat of nine tails with the leather, with the bone, with the rock, the stone, and also the metal could have come around and hit his eye, or because of the crown of thorns that was shoved down on his head and the blood that came trickling into his eyes. But he gave his eyes to weep for me. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The second thing is he gave his head to wear the crown of thorns for me. In John 19, 2, it says, And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Now, as I bring out this crown of thorns, there in the a, in a country of Israel, there's over 200 different species of thorns. And uh, some are about the size of a rose bush. Some would go about the size of two inches. But uh, it reminds us, okay, about the curse that was placed on the ground. When we go back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, verse 17 and 18, uh, God told Adam, Cursed be the ground. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth uh, to thee. And so I think about that cursed ground being a picture of Jesus was made a curse for us. Uh, I think about in Genesis chapter number 22, and I can't prove this, verse 13, when uh, Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, they took up on a mountain wood, they took up a fire, they took up a knife, and Abraham, because God told him, was going to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. As he put him on the altar, as he was about to plunge the knife through, God stopped him. And he said, behind you, Abraham, is a thicket. You'll see a ram caught in that thicket, and I want you to offer that in the stead of Christ. I wonder if when we get to heaven, the same kind of thicket and thorns was used to hold that that ram there, and that was what was used for the sacrifice. So we see it from the curse, where our curse was placed upon Jesus. We see it as it was provided to hold that ram while it was taken and sacrificed for uh, the sins of the people. So I think about the crown of thorns. And uh, certainly we're not stopping just with the crown because of the fact that we know that it was uh, hit upon his head with a reed. And of course the blood would have come out of the skull uh, profusely. And then I see number three, he gave his cheeks to be smitten for me. In Isaiah 52, 14, it says, And many as were astonished at this, the, his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. His visage would be his face. In other words, they couldn't even recognize that he was a man. They pulled out his beard. They smote upon them uh, him with their hands. We're told in the book of Psalm 22:12, 12, which is a prophetic psalm speaking about Christ. It talked about how that a, a bull of Bashan and dogs and lions would surround the lamb, and they would try to take the weakest one, and they would hit it, and they would knock it down until it could not get up, and then they would have it killed. So also, Jesus had to go through a punishment with being beaten beyond recognition. And uh, I think about all the punishment that the Apostle Paul went through, all the brutality, but yet Jesus' is head and shoulders above him. We're told, and the men that had mocked him, uh, smote him, and when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face. That would take us back to Psalm 22, and asked him, saying, prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things, blasphemy spake they against him. So here they had that circle, and they began to pound him and treat him as if he was less than a criminal and to be able to take his life away. So they are classified as strong bulls of Bashan and also the dogs and the lions in that graphic picture in Psalm 22. Well, I find also number four is he gave his tongue to pray for me. You say, what do you mean? I wasn't even born then. You weren't even born then. Well, it says in Luke 23, 34, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On down to John 17, 9, it says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. Talking about his disciples. And then in John 17, 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for those also which shall believe on me through their words. What do we have the idea of? As the omnipotent one, as the omniscient one who knows all things, he knows all of those ones that would respond to his gracious invitation, he prayed that God would tenderize our hearts and show us our need for salvation when we were offered uh, that wonderful uh, salvation plan. So he gave his tongue to pray for me. Number five, he gave his face to be spit upon for me. I don't know about you, but I think that's one of the most humiliating things somebody could do. This isn't an accidental thing, but this is something that they did out of pure mockery and humiliation. It says in Matthew 26, 7, Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. There it is again. The buffet would be with the fist, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. They'd have him blindfolded, and as they would hit him, they would say, Prophesy unto us who smote thee? Who hit you? So all to be able to make fun of him. Of course, he had the purple robe on, trying to mock the fact that he was the king, the king of the Jews, and also the crown on his head. And then number six, I see that he gave his shoulders to bear the cross for me. In book of Matthew 27, 31 and 32, and it says, and after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him. So after he had been beaten, They put a robe on him, now they're taking it off of him, and they put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. You know what it is when a sore begins to uh, heal and coagulate and how it bothers you when a bandage is taken off? Just think about that all over Jesus' body that had been whipped and beaten beyond recognition, being taken off of him, and then his other clothes being put on. Now, in number seven, this is when we think about the scourging. It says, he gave his back to be torn from me. In the book of Psalm 129, verse 3, it's called a prophetic psalm. It's called a messianic psalm. There are many messianic psalms in the Scriptures that give a a, uh, statement that is going to be fulfilled in the New Testament. It says, the plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows and certainly did with the cat of nine tails. The cat of nine tails would have been like a uh, a stick that they would have held to. They would have had nine pieces of leather that would have come out from that stick. And embedded within that leather, they would have had bone from sheep or lambs. They would have had rock, and they also would have had lead. And they would use that to pummel the victim that would be there at what's called praetorium, it's also called the fortress of Antonia or Gabatha. And so they had him in that 75 foot long, 40 foot wide pavement with his arms tied around a rock. And then they began to pour out their wrath and their hatred for this one who claimed to be God. And so they would give him 39 stripes so they would not go over 40, which was the law to stop at 40. 39. They say that the first 20 would take all skin off of the body. And remember, this would not only go to the back, but also to around to his rib cage and his stomach as well. And then they would say that the second 10 would have taken all the fat off of his back. And then the final nine would have cut the arteries and the veins and took the flesh off the bones. Of those who were scourged there, one half of them died right on the spot. They untied the leather and they took them out to bury them. Of the other 50 that remained, 25 uh, would have died later because of infection setting in. Uh, they would have got uh lockjaw and they would have died not too long after that terrible beating. And then we think about of the last 25, they would have been disabled for the rest of their life and would have gone through pain, horrendous pain, for months and months and months. Jesus went through that for you. He went through that for me. Why? Because He loved me, and He gave Himself for me so that He could be the ultimate sacrifice to take away our sins, and this is the plan of God. What's so wonderful, and I don't have the time to go there now, go to, excuse me, the book of Isaiah 53 and read that. It all talks about death, about the death of Christ, His life, His birth his death, his crucifixion, and then also his resurrection. So I think, think about his back being torn open for me. And you think about that, you think about that cross bearing uh, on his body. And uh, you think about uh, 300 pound weight there. He turned it over to uh, Simon of Cyrene and he com- was compelled to take it the rest of the way. And then he gave his side to be spear thrust for me. When those big Roman burly soldiers looked at the three men that were on the crosses, he saw that the both of the thieves that were on both sides of him had already died. They took a club and they broke their legs. But when they came to Jesus, uh, he had already died. But they took a spear and ran it underneath of the fifth rib, underneath of uh, the heart, and it pierced what's called the pericardium, where you have uh, blood mingled with water and it came out of that wound. We're told in the book of John 19:13, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Most, of course, of his blood would have already been shed from the scourging that he received at Gobatha. And then I see number nine, he gave his hands and feet to be pierced for me. In the book of Psalm 22:14, 16, I'm sorry, it says, "'For dogs have compassed me. "'The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. "'They pierced my hands and my feet.'" Now, most of your commentators would say that the hand consists of uh, not just the hand here, but also the wrist. The nails would have been put in here to be able to hold it to the cross and not slipping through the bones that are here. And then also, as far as the feet are concerned, uh, they would have gone one foot on top of the other, and then they would have either driven them through the top of the foot or right above to where the ankle is. But the thing that's so amazing about that is this. Even though they were unconscious of this altogether, the Roman soldiers, not one single bone of his body was broke as those nails went into his wrists and also his feet. The Bible tells us in Psalm 3420 He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And then here's the fulfillment in John 19, 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. And then in 36, for these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. So a bone was not broken during the scourging. A, bro- a bone was not broken during the spear being thrust underneath of the rib cage, and a bone was not broken as those sharp nails, long nails, would have gone into his hands or wrists and into his feet. Now that's a miracle, how that God allowed that to be fulfilled even though the Roman soldiers were completely unconscious of that. And then here's number 10. It's a fast sermon, isn't it? Okay, all these ser- uh, points done already in just a little bit of time at least I think it's a little. Okay, he gave his blood to redeem me. I think about Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Notice the term redemption. Ephesians 1, 7, whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to his grace. None of us deserve for him to die in our place, but he did it because he loved us. He did it willingly. And then in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So, two times you find the word redemption, one time you find the word redeemed. What does it mean? It has the idea to be bought out of, to be bought. And uh, I've had a little bit more time to share an illustration with you, but... Uh, you were made by God, you were created by God, and then he also bought you. He bought you with his precious blood. So basically, uh, you had two times where you belong to God. So I think about the fact that he loves us. His blood was shed. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We know that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, there's no forgiveness. The Bible tells us uh, that greater uh, hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He loves us so much, the epitome of that is not just a necessity to give somebody something, but it's to die in their place, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Then I think about number 11. He gave his life that I might live. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And I'm sure you believe in this as well. The greatest life that we could ever live is being a Christian. To be able to have life, to have it more abundantly. To know that your sins are forgiven. God gives you joy and peace and rest. No matter what's happening in the world, we don't have to fear because we have an anchor to our soul. And that is Jesus Christ. So we think about the fact that he's given us life. 2 Corinthians 5, 15, and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, I ask the question, he gave so much for me. From the top of his head down to his feet, he shed his precious blood, his perfect blood, his pure blood. None of us in here can say that we have that because we are under the curse, because ours is tainted by sin. But he gave that precious body and the blood to be able to make an atonement for our soul so that we can have everlasting life. Now, my question to you is this, have you given your trust for salvation? Can you remember a time whenever you knew that you were a sinner, lost, without God, without hope, and that Jesus died in your place, he paid the penalty for your sin, and you reached out by faith, and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Now, I haven't been saved as long as most of you have, I've been saved 48 years, but I can remember the exact situation because it changed my life. I'm just so thankful for the salvation that God offers. It's free. Anybody that may be here without Christ, it's more than just believing that he existed. It's knowing what he did for you on the cross and being willing to ask him to forgive you of your sins and invite him into your heart. Number two, have you given him your treasures for his storehouse? We're talking about finances. I know that's a hard thing to talk about. Everybody reaches for their purse and their pocketbook, their wallet, okay? But uh, it's something that's scriptural. And then, have you given him your times for spiritual growth? In order to be able to grow after you're saved, it takes some time. Read the Bible and pray and keep short set accounts. And then, have you given him your talents for service? Think about the talents that people use, those who sing, those who play instruments, those who are back there in the soundboard and uh, those ones who are doing the PowerPoint. It takes time. It's a ministry, it's a work. Uh, every work for Jesus will be blessed, okay? All he asks for us is to give him our best. And then number five, have you given him your total being for surrender? Have you ever said, I belong to God now. I'm saved by his grace. He can do more with me than I can do with my own life. I would mess it up. But, Lord, would you please use me and use me for your glory and your honor? I read an article about Queen Mary uh, a while ago, and it said that she was such a friendly lady and everybody loved her that she could go different places without an entourage. And she would visit Scotland once a year. And when she did, the little kids just kind of flocked around her, and they followed her as they walked through different paths, and they had a good time. Well, she noticed that the clouds were getting dark, and she noticed that there was rain clouds in the sky. And so she knocked on a person's house. They did not notice uh, know who she was. And so she said, do you happen to have an umbrella that I could borrow? And I will have it brought back to you tomorrow. Well, the woman wouldn't want to give her her best umbrella. So she went up into the attic. She brought down an umbrella. A couple of the ribs were broken. There were a couple holes uh, that were in the fabric of the umbrella. She said, I'll give her this. So she came to the door, gave it to her, and said, you know, I'm sorry, this is the only one that I have. And uh, so she gave it to Queen Mary, and she said, thank you very much, I'll make sure it's returned tomorrow. So she went back to the palace, and the very next day, one of her guards, one of her security, uh, came back with that umbrella, knocked on the door. When the lady came to the door and saw him all dressed in that royal regalia and had on the nice gold trim and what have you, She said, what are you doing? Why are you bringing this umbrella back? Well, you lent it to the queen yesterday, and she just wants me to make sure that I return it and thank you. Well, the lady burst out in tears. She said, I can't believe it. You mean I served the king, uh, queen something that was so messed up as that umbrella, and I could have given her her best, my best to her? She said, I'm so sorry that ever happened. Would you apologize to her? And she wept very uncontrollably. You know what? We have somebody better than a queen, better than a king, better than a president. We have the king of kings. We have the lord of lords. We have the only savior that can save a soul from hell who rescued us as we were drowning in sin. What does he want? He wants our very best, our soul to save and our life to use. So God gave his best when he sent his son to die for us. We give him our best when we give him our soul so that we can have everlasting life and use the remainder of our lives to bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus, our wonderful Savior. All right, let's bow for prayer, please.